Hey everyone, welcome to a special episode of Boosting Your Financial IQ. I know there's a lot of stuff happening in the economy right now, especially as it relates to the banking sector. So that's why I decided to do this special episode to provide a little bit of insight of what's actually happening and what you should know in order to protect yourself and so you can move forward with confidence and hope into the future. Just over a week ago, one of the most prominent banks in the world of technology startups, struggling under the weight of bad management decisions and panicked customers, collapsed, forcing the government to step in. If you haven't heard, this is Silicon Valley Bank, or SVB. To prevent a potential contagion of anxiety in the banking sector, last Sunday, the FDIC was appointed receiver and they created a Deposit Insurance National Bank of Santa Clara to which all insured deposits of Silicon Valley Bank were transferred. This move was intended to provide more confidence for these depositors because if you think about it, when you put your money into a bank account, it's only insured up to $250,000. So imagine being a tech company and the bank where you have millions of dollars deposited just announced that they were closing. That would obviously create a lot of panic and disruption to your business if you could no longer access cash to cover your operating expenses. So following this move, a joint statement was released, which said, today we are taking decisive actions to protect the U.S. economy by strengthening public confidence in our banking system. This was released just over a week ago by the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, and FDIC Chair Martin Gruenberg. Since then, other banks like Signature Bank out of New York have failed and many more are under stress. In fact, according to a new study just released on March 13th by leading professors at the University of Southern California, Northwestern, Columbia, and Stanford found that almost 190 other banks are at a potential risk of impairment to insured depositors with potentially, quote, 300 billion of insured deposits at risk. So on a macro scale, the report also pointed out that, quote, the U.S. banking system's market value of assets is $2 trillion lower than suggested by the book value of assets accounting for loan portfolios held to maturity. Bank assets have declined by an average of 10% across all the banks, the bottom fifth percentile experiencing a decline of 20%. What? What did that mean? So what the heck is really going on? In other words, these banks are experiencing a market value of $2 trillion less than what they're reporting on their books. So if they had to sell these assets, they would experience a massive loss. So what the heck is really going on? Is this 2008 all over again? Well, let me explain. Banks can fail due to a variety of reasons, such as mismanagement of funds, too much risk-taking, or becoming overextended in bad loans. Banks also fail due to changes in the economy that affect their ability to make profits and access capital. Poor management decisions or corporate governance issues can also contribute to bank failure. Additionally, banks may become insolvent if there's a sudden withdrawal of deposits by its customers due to economic downturns or other factors. So now let's start with Silicon Valley Bank, the nation's 15th largest bank before it collapsed. During the pandemic, in two years thereafter, the bank saw its assets swell from 60 billion to 200 billion from all the capital and cash flowing into technology companies. So think about it, during the pandemic, when everybody was stuck at home, 
Tech was hot. Think about Zoom, Netflix, and these other technology companies. Investors were pouring billions of dollars into these companies, and thus they were sitting on all this cash. So they take the cash and they deposit it in their bank accounts. Now, since banks make money by either lending or investing the cash that they have, Silicon Valley Bank invested in treasury bonds, thus tying up their assets. As the Federal Reserve raised interest rates to curb inflation and capital dried up for tech companies, these companies needed more and more cash from the bank to cover their operating expenses. Since the bank's money was locked up in investments to cover these cash demands from its customers, the tech companies, the bank had to sell its investments. Now, remember, since bond values decline when interest rates go up, SVB suffered a $1.8 billion loss, causing it to fail. But SVB is not alone. Similarly, with other banks, the Federal Reserve's aggressive interest rate hikes to dampen down inflation have also eroded the value of bank assets, such as government bonds and mortgage-backed securities held by other institutions. Quote, the recent declines in bank asset values very significantly increased the fragility of the U.S. banking system to uninsured depositor runs, end quote, stated economists in a recent paper published on the Social Science Research Network. We may now be on the brink of a major liquidity crisis. And to prevent this from happening, central banks are swapping currencies and are putting their currencies into other central banks. For example, the European Central Bank just provided euros to the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve is providing dollars to other central banks around the world. In fact, the U.S. Federal Reserve and several other major central banks announced a coordinated effort Sunday night to boost the flow of U.S. dollars through the global financial system with the aim of keeping credit flowing to households and businesses. They do not want the access to credit to dry up because otherwise, this is when we hit a credit crunch and a crisis occurs. The central banks said in a joint statement earlier, quote, the Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, and the Swiss National Bank are today announcing a coordinated action to enhance the provision of liquidity via the standing U.S. dollar liquidity swap line arrangements. Okay, so let me explain what this actually means. On Monday, March 20th, 2023, central banks have committed unlimited, okay, unlimited liquidity to the banking system. Okay, that's what they announced. They announced they're providing unlimited liquidity to the banking system. That's crazy. The point of this move is to shore up the banking system and provide confidence to the public that everything is okay. In addition, the massive bank UBS announced that it's buying Credit Suisse, another bank, for $3.2 billion, which is a fire sale bargain, especially since the other day, Credit Suisse was worth $6.72 billion. Okay, here's another thing that's crazy. Credit Suisse had $1.29 trillion of assets under management with total assets of $531.1 billion. And UBS is acquiring all this for $3.2 billion. This is the fire sale of all time. Seriously, what a crazy deal. So with central banks promising to provide an unlimited amount of capital to the banking system, we're talking about trillions of dollars potentially that can flow into the markets. And this move is highly likely to cause a massive wave of inflation. 
So for those of you who are not familiar with inflation, let me shed some light. Inflation is an increase in the general level of prices of goods and services in an economy over a period of time. It's usually measured as an annual percentage increase, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. When the general price level rises, each unit of currency buys fewer goods and services resulting in inflation. So our dollars buy less. So we still have the same amount of dollars, but now prices are higher. So those dollars are inherently worth less. Causes of inflation include increases in the money supply, which I'm talking about here, an increase in government spending, or a decrease in taxes. Over the last two years, here's what's crazy. The U.S. Federal Reserve has printed 80% of all U.S. dollars in existence. This printing started at the onset of the COVID pandemic to provide stimulus checks to every American and other relief efforts. This occurred three times in April 2020, December 2020, and March 2021. These packages varied in size, with the first in March 2020 at $2.2 trillion, and the 2021 bill signed into law at $1.9 trillion. These packages and acts were not funded with balanced budgets and taxes. Instead, guess how they came about? They were funded by turning on the dollar printing press. So essentially, the government just printed more dollars in order to do quantitative easing to support the markets, resulting in a total bill of $13 trillion for COVID relief, infrastructure, and other economic stimulus. But only $1 trillion of it was sent to Americans. So here's what I'm saying. The more dollars that there are in the economy, the more cash is chasing fewer assets, causing prices to rise. So I recently went to the grocery store. This is just last weekend. And I don't like going to the grocery store because my price index is still like 10 years old. When I go there, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so expensive. This is so expensive. So I went to the store and this isn't anything new. Obviously, I already knew about this, but let me just point something out. According to the U.S. Labor Department, they report the annual inflation rate for the last 12 months ended February 2023 at 6%. Okay, but then when I go to the store and I go to buy eggs, they used to be a dollar one year ago. Now they're $3.99. That's a 400% increase. Yogurt, my favorite yogurt, the Chobani Flip Cups, they used to be $1.19. Now they're $1.79. That's a 50% increase. What about tortilla chips? My favorite tortilla chips, $1.49. Now they're $2.69, an 80% increase. So I don't know how they're measuring the 6%, but my wallet is seeing a greater impact than a 6% increase. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about here. When you're printing more money, remember 80% of all US dollars have been printed over the last two years, and it's about to increase even more to shore up the banking industry. This is going to create massive inflation. This is a major inflationary move. Think about Germany. If you look back at history, after World War I, reparations were put on Germany for them starting the war. So it's almost like a penalty or a fine assessed by all these countries. So they were punishing Germany by putting on these reparations. And I can't remember the exact amount, but it was a massive burden to their economy. In order to service the debt, and imagine their economy was completely decimated after the war. So in order to service this debt and pay these reparations, they printed dollars. So they started printing dollars and it led to hyperinflation. And at the end, before they did a reset on the currency, you would get paid the same day. And by the time you got your paycheck and you went to the grocery store, prices had already increased significantly and your paycheck was worth 
less just by walking to the store. So that's what hyperinflation does. And in fact, people were pushing around wheelbarrows of cash because you know it costs something like a million dollars to buy a loaf of bread. So that's what we have to be careful of. Now, I'm not saying we are definitely headed in that direction. All I know from economic principles is when you print more cash and you inject more cash into a system, then ultimately it's going to lead to inflation. So we're really stuck in this tough situation because banks are failing because interest rates are going up. Their investments are going down because they're invested in bonds and other assets like mortgage-backed securities. And as interest rates increase, bond values decrease. So if customers go to the bank and they withdraw more cash, banks are going to be forced to sell their assets and they're going to sell them at a loss. And that's what's happening. Also, in order to curb inflation, the Fed has to continue to increase rates. That's the only way you're going to slow down inflation. The problem with that is the more they raise interest rates, the more impact it's going to have on the housing market, on investments, and so on and so forth. So companies or individuals with variable debt, as interest rates increase, they're going to really be suffering from economic hardship. Now, the good news is through all this, if you're sitting on debt and inflation takes off, then your debt is ultimately going to be reduced, assuming your purchasing power continues to increase. So you're going to be paying back that debt with inflated dollars. So that could be a benefit of an inflationary period. The bad news is this. If you're sitting on cash, then that cash is going to be worth less over time. So there's a true opportunity cost of sitting on cash. If inflation is 10, 20, 30%, you're losing that value in cash. And sometimes that's hard for people to understand because they say, Steve, I still have the cash. And I'm like, yes, you're right. You still have the cash. That's true. But that cash buys a lot less and your purchasing power is eroding. So that's what I wanted to point out today. I know it's scary out there for some of you. You may be anxious or wondering what's next with the economy, but let me provide a little bit of hope. This isn't the first time the U.S. in the world has suffered from inflation. I mean, there's some countries out there that have massive inflation, and this happens regularly, and they just deal with it. So I don't think the whole entire economy is going to collapse, and we're going to go back to living in caves and keeping warm by fires. Okay, So there is hope for the future. We're going to get through this. I just want you to be smart and I want you to be aware of what's happening because back in 2008, when Bear Stearns went bankrupt, I owned a business, but I wasn't super savvy when it came to finances and investing and all that stuff. So I didn't even know what was going on. It wasn't until Lehman Brothers collapsed that it got my attention. So I want to point these things out early to you so you could prepare and you're not like me back in 2008, where I was caught off guard a little bit because when Bear Stearns happened, there was a delay in the system. They got shored up by the government, but then Lehman Brothers was allowed to fail and my business was really hurt. People canceled their contracts. They, they wanted their deposits back on their projects and it really hurt me and it really Im- impacted the overall company. All right, so there is hope. It's not the end of the world. Don't panic, okay? Don't take all your, your cash and stash it underneath your mattress. You don't need to prepare for the end of the world. I just want to point out these things so you are intelligent. And that's why boosting your financial IQ is so critical. In fact, if you haven't heard my other podcast, I just started another podcast that supplements this podcast, but it's for kids. It's called Finance with Kids. You can look it up on Spotify, Apple, and all the major podcast channels, but check that out. 
finance with kids, my daughter and I, who she's 10 years old, we host the podcast and we take questions from people all over the world. And I just did an episode with her last week about why banks fail. And I think if you have kids, it'd be really good to let your kids listen to this and get them involved with financial literacy because all this stuff is going on, but nobody's talking about the implications of these massive moves that are occurring. You know, unlimited liquidity means a massive amount of printing dollars in order to shore up the banking industry. And remember, like I said, that's highly inflationary. Anyways, I hope that this episode was helpful to you and not scary. Remember, have hope, just be smart, boost your financial IQ, be aware of what's going on, make sure you protect your investments and your assets during this time period, and continue to invest in your financial literacy so you can be confident about the future. Look, I'm not scared. When there are downturns in the economy, there are great opportunities that arise from these economic contractions. So this could be a great opportunity to jump in and to pick up investments at a discount. So just be watching for those opportunities. If you have any questions, if you want to reach out, you can email us at hello at byfiq.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your feedback. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.